to Totalus Rankium. This week, Constantine. Welcome to Roman Emperor to Talus Rankium. I am Jamie. And I'm Rob, ranking all the emperors from Augustus to Augustus, and this is episode 58, Ooh. Constantine. I've heard of him. Oh yes, well that's it. We're, like I said last week, it's the last of the big, big names. Okay. There's a couple I've got an eye on in the future though, it certainly won't be out of the last Genesis. No. Not that I'm prejudging that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a biggie. Yeah. And this is going to be a long episode, so let's jump right into Please. it. But let's just Ooh. mention that this is your special birthday episode. Oh, thank you. Probably, what, we're five days off releasing this at the weekend? Yeah, it'll be the yeah. nicest one to your birthday. Oh. oh, happy birthday. I got you this. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't know these were legal any. No, oh. well, if you turn it that way, Ooh. then you'll see that it actually oh. starts to shine. Wow. Yeah. If you cover those three holes as well, it will sometimes play blue. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, that was possible. Didn't think you had one. So. No, thank you very much. Good. Right, my okay. Right. <laughs> Let's make a start. Okay, Constantine, early life. We've already covered quite a lot of his life, <laughs> haven't we? We have, yeah. Yes. This well, is it. We spent a while with Thingy Bob, Galerius, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then on his dad's deathbed Constantius he said uh, my son will be emperor probably yeah either yeah. way Constantine took that as a, I'll be an emperor yeah said he was yeah caused a bit of fuss fought off Licinius quite a bit yeah because he kept retreating like a complete coward yeah um and that leads us up to about now <clears throat> yeah so that was this week join us next week <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah bizarrely you actually already know quite a bit but mm. Let's look at all this from his perspective, shall yeah. we? So, as we have already covered slightly in Constantius' episode, Constantius met Helena. Yeah. A woman of lowly status, possibly a barmaid, and together they had a child. Aww. Born in around 272, or possibly 285, sources differ on this, the 272 sounds more likely yeah. in my mind, um, in Inesus, Upper um. Moesia. And his name was not Constantine the Great to begin with. Yes, it was. It was Flavius Valerius Constantinus. 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 Okay. I think is how you pronounce that. <laughs> Constantinus. <laughs> Constantinus. Yeah, that's that's how. Come here, help your mother. That's yeah, that's what okay. Hellenius used to say. Okay. Yeah. So. Constantinus's childhood would have been spent with his mother, probably not really seeing his father, the man who was becoming more and more important in the ruling class of Rome. Yeah, he was. And then in 285, when he was around 30, or just or born, just born yeah, <laughs> um, when Maximian was declared Augustus by Diocletian, Constantius joined Maximian's revenue, retinue, not revenue, <laughs> joined his retinue and served the Augustus of the East. What's a retinue? The gang, the yeah. posh political group. Posse. So, Dad's now hanging around with Maximian, the Augustus. He's an important guy. Yeah. Yeah, Constantius realised that what he needed was a better marriage connection than just a barmaid he met once. So, as quick as a flash, he drops Helena Aww. to marry Maximian's stepdaughter. You've got to feel bad for Helena here, haven't yeah, you? She became a saint later, so... All right. Yeah, it's all good for her. 
Yeah, we, we just don't really know Helena's um, or Constantine's reaction to this. Probably old Mommy. bomb. Yeah. <laughs> You're my mother. Don't worry, son. One day I shall die, then I'll be made into a into a saint, which I won't care about because I'll be dead, but... <laughs> yeah. In 293, Diocletian promoted two men to the rank of Caesar. Oh, I know this. Yeah, go on then. Constantius. Yeah. Galerius. Yeah, what? Well oh, I did know. You're learning. Yeah, Galerius in the east and Constantine's father, Constantius, in the west. Yes. So daddy's now Caesar. At the same time, Diocletian took Constantine and his mother back to Nicomedia with him. That's nice. Yeah, many saw this as natural enough. Constantine was the son of a Caesar. He needed to learn how to rule. But there may also have been a slight case of I've got your son if case you try anything kind <laughs> of thing towards Constantius there. I think Constantine always wondered why he was at a knife pressed against his throat. Yeah. He didn't have a bed. He just had like a, a wall hanging <laughs> with a massive dartboard behind him. Yes. <laughs> Diocletian spent his evenings just... Tossing a knife up and down. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> nice times in the comedian. Yeah. And that's where Constantine stayed for several years. He learnt Latin. No, he knew Latin. He learnt Latin literature. Ah. I should read to the end of the sentence. And then I shouldn't <laughs> I? Uh, Greek and philosophy. There's a chance that he attended lectures given by a certain man at this point called Lactentius. Heard of him. Yes, that's our very biased source. Yeah. Yes. Does he, does he happen to like Constantine? He does like Constantine a little okay. bit. Just, just a tad. Yeah. We'll go into that more in the future. If he wasn't in Nicomedia, learning and attending lectures, he was on the road with Diocletian. He would have travelled with the old emperor as Diocletian negotiated with the Persians. Remember, that's the meeting where Galerius got really angry and nearly ruined everything. Yeah, idiot. Yes. And also when Diocletian was putting down the rebels in Egypt, when yeah. he declared he wanted the streets to run with blood... Mm. And the horse fell over. <laughs> yeah. He also fought for Galerius in the Danube region in 296. As far as we can tell, he seemed to show some promise. He was a rising star. The the young prince with a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. yeah. Ambitious. Possibly that twinkle was just Skilled. searing ambition. Who knows? <laughs> Diocletian seems to have liked him well enough, but the Caesar of the area, Galerius, hated him. He was the son of his rival Caesar, who he did not get on with. Now, around this time, Constantine met a woman. <gasps> yes. <laughs> he said to himself, whilst walking <laughs> towards her. Yes, her name was Minervina. 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 However you pronounce that. I've only ever seen it written down. Oh, Minervina. Yeah, I'm going for Minervina. Minervina. Minervina, yeah, Minervina. <laughs> yeah, very little is known about her, apart from the fact she was a phenomenon. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> try that again. Uh, apart from the fact um, that she and Constantine had a son together. Ooh, yes. Called Constantine? No, called Crispus. Chris. Crispus. Uh, yeah, Chris. I know, I just think of Crispy. Um, I think he came out a bit crispy. Yeah, I just think of a slightly burnt person, to be honest, when I think well, of maybe him. he tans too much. Maybe he tans too much. Yeah. Hmm. Remember Crispus? He is. He becomes very important later on in the story. I think you mentioned him last... I did mention him last so, And he episode. said put a box around his neck. Yeah, did that look? There's yeah. the box. Yeah, you've got to remember him because he's... He becomes a Caesar. Uh, we'll come to it. We will. So, Constantine not old at this point. Probably in yeah. his late teens. And really? he's now got his son. But... Well. 
possibly not with his wife. There's a very good chance that Minerva... 19. Yeah. <laughs> You're just doing some maths there. 19. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. Or if he was born in 1985... Be 12. Yeah. I think the 1972 date yeah. is possibly more likely. Yeah. Anyway, Minerva, possibly just a concubine. <laughs> I can't get that in my head. <laughs> I'm getting da 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 So she was... um. Probably a concubine. Who was? An urbaner. Concubine. It's what Constantine would hum to himself whilst walking towards her chambers at night. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, maybe they were married, maybe they weren't. Details are very speculative. But it doesn't look like she was on the scene for very long after the birth of Crispus. Oh. She soon disappears, either divorced or just cast aside. Cast asunder. Yes. Or maybe dead. <laughs> She's highly likely. Yeah. Constantine would also have been in the East under Diocletian when the persecution starts in 303. As far as we can tell, Constantine did not object to the persecutions, or at least he did nothing to attempt to challenge them. Yeah. Now, perhaps, though, this is understandable. He's still oh, yeah. young at this time. Galerius would have been starting to show up support to be able to decide yeah. on the next Caesars. But Constantine saw himself as the next Caesar and didn't want to start annoying Diocletian True. by saying, don't murder people just because of their religion, old man. Maybe he was all for it. Or maybe he was all for it. Who Extreme knows? Extreme teenager views. Yes, maybe. However, even if uh, Constantine did do his best to stay in Diocletian's good graces at this point, it was not enough. Hmm. Because sure enough, when 305 rolls around, Constantine was not named Caesar. Yes. Now, we've covered all this in a bit of detail before, so we won't go into detail. Uh, but instead, Galerius's friend and nephew got the Caesar positions. Yeah. Severus and Dyer. This is not good news for Constantine. Diocletian had left Nicomedia, and now Galerius, the new Augustus who hated him, was in charge oh and moved in. Some of the sources claim that Galerius then attempts to assassinate Constantine several times. Ooh. However, this does come across as a little bit fanciful. I'll, uh, I'll quote here, Lactentius. <laughs> Galerius led repeated snares for the life of the young man because he durst not use open violence. Good use of the word durst. Yeah. Under pretense of manly exercise and recreation, he made him combat with wild beasts. But this device was frustrated, for the power of God protected him. Yes. So, apparently Galerius was throwing him literally to the wolves at this point. Oh, okay. Trying to get him to be killed. Yes. So, choose, choose your weapon. You can choose a sword or this toothpick. Well, actually, I'll choose for you. Let's go with the toothpick today. Yes. Will you be fighting Mr. Snuffles or... <laughs> Ripper. <laughs> Mr. Snuffles, they get all oh, guinea pigs taken ill. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I see Ripper, I'm afraid. Sources also claim that Galerius purposely sent Constantine into dangerous situations, including leading cavalry charges across swamps. <laughs> Which I'd like to see him explain. The enemy over there, Constantine. We need a decisive charge. I'll do it, Galerius. I'll do it. Take these men and charge right at them. Don't, don't, don't you mean, like, round the... The swamp. There's a, there's a swamp in front of it. No. But so there are crocodiles. Straight through. A manly charge. Yeah. <laughs> it would be quite cool if they, all the alligators lying there. It's a swamp. Yeah. It's like jump over them like logs. On the horse. Oh, yes. Even yes. better. Constantine on his horse. Yeah. The flaming circle. Over alligators. Sort of James Bond style. Yeah. Yeah. That's that what definitely happened. happened. Awesome. Good. 
And so Galerius failed. He'd shock his fist. Why I order... I think it would have been quite impressed though with a... Wow, Jenny could do that with a horse. Yeah, well, maybe a little bit impressed, but mainly annoyed. Yeah, yes. He's trying to kill him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. By this time, time Constantine realised he was in a bit of danger. <laughs> Galerius kept coming up with new, more elaborate plans. Ah, Constantine, that building over there is uh, due to be demolished later. Do you just go and check the foundation just near the base there? Just go and have a little look, a little look. <laughs> then, you, you know, you can see yeah. Galerius behind a massive shoehorn trying to knock the building down. It's not working. And Constantine walks away completely fine. He says, oh, it's fine, yeah. sir. He goes, damn it! Galerius bangs his hand on the wall, whole thing falls out of Galerius. Yeah. Roadrunner style. Yeah, I was about to say Roadrunner. But the whole thing just turns into an episode of Roadrunner, right up to the point where Constantine runs through a painted tunnel. Yes. Galerius tries to follow him and smacks into the cliff face. Fantastic. Yeah. Then a train comes out of the side. <laughs> yes. That's what happens. So... Yeah, carry on. <laughs> Wasting time. Yeah. So, Constantine after going through his painted tunnel, decides he's in danger. Hmm. So he writes off to his father. Father, I'm in danger, he said. <laughs> Constantius at this time, if you remember, is over in Britain slash Gaul yes, area, dealing with all that. And he also realises his son is in danger, so writes to Galerius. <laughs> the letter says so. Yes. <laughs> I've deduced. <laughs> so you're so wise. <laughs> oh, hell, Emperor. So Constantius writes to Galerius and says, Can I have my son back, please? That'll be really useful. I'm about to go and fight some Scottish people mm. that don't exist yet. We call them Picts. Yep. But anyway, they're up north, and they're scary. I need my son. Galerius realises if he gives up his hostage, he's lost a card that he could play at a later stage. Yeah. So he, he procrastinates. He, he doesn't answer for a while, and then mm. he tries to suggest he should stay, and just keeps Constantine with him as long as he can. However... Then we get the story of Constantine's escape, bearing in mind that this is probably not true. It definitely is true. One evening, Galerius was drunk Yay. with power oh. and wine. Yeah. <laughs> and Constantine sought him out and again asked Galerius if he could go to his father. And again, Galerius stalled for time. <laughs> However, this evening, Constantine didn't give up and kept pestering the Augustus. Can I go? 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 Skips to Galerius on the toilet. And, Can I go? Can I go? Yeah. Out the door, in the shower. Yeah. <sighs> Goes running, running down the street. Can I go? Can I go? Can I go? Yeah. Eventually Galerius snaps. Fine, go if you must. Constantine wastes no time here. He ran to the stables, took the swiftest horse. Riding away from Nicomedia throughout the night, he realised that Galerius would soon change his mind, so Constantine stopped at every public stable and severed the hamstrings of every horse there. Oh! Stopping anyone from following him. Yeah, I get the reason why. That's mean. <laughs> and I quote, He maimed all the horses that were kept for public service whenever he came to any stable where they were kept, except for what he took for his own use. Sure enough, when Galerius awoke, with a hangover, he regretted what he'd done and sent for the capture of the young man. However, he soon learnt that the horses were in no state to ride. They were all screaming in agony. Yeah. <laughs> ah! <laughs> My ankles! Oh, wait, hamstring. It's your leg, isn't it? Top of your leg. Ooh. Oh. Nay. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, Constantine had escaped, and that's how he got to his father. Again, like I said, this probably isn't true. 
Lactentious, to be fair, reports this slightly differently. Mm. The same story, apart from the fact that Constantine merely frees the horses and doesn't mutilate them. It's a bit nicer. <laughs> a little it? bit nicer, isn't it? <laughs> but more than likely, Constantine would have had an entire group of people travel with him. Yeah. I'm fairly sure his mother was with him when oh. he went, so it, you wouldn't send the son of the Caesar on his own across. No. Because he's got to cross part of Asia Minor, the entire of the Danube and... region, and yeah. then Gaul to get to his father. It's probably about 50 people with him, right? Probably more. Yeah. So unless they were all... Soldiers. It would make cutting the horse's legs up into ribbons quicker, though, if you've got all your your people with you. Could, couldn't he have just made the horses look so ridiculous and all want to ride them? That could have happened. Bling up the horses a bit. Yeah. Put a silly hat on them. Yeah. yeah. Draw a moustache. <laughs> yeah. People, I must chase it. Oh, no, I'm not, not riding that. I have standards. Yeah. Ew. So, however, it happened. Constantine finally meets up with his father in Boulogne in the summer of 305, just before Constantius was about to cross the channel. It must have been an unusual meeting. Yeah. Oh, hi, Dad. Remember me? At all? Remember me? Oh, this is this is my mum. Oh, do you remember awkward. her? Do you? Yeah. I have to come to her every single night. <laughs> you monster. <laughs> I, I I reckon a bit awkward <laughs> myself. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. They travel together to Britain mm. and into the north to Eboracum, otherwise known as York. Well, I like York. I like York. Yeah, nice. York's nice. They spent a lovely summer there, visiting oh. all the little shops. In the old medieval town. Did they go to the Orbit Viking Centre? They definitely went to the Orbit Viking Centre. Because there. that's where you go. Severus probably still had his little plaque yeah. there. So after visiting the Orbit Viking Centre, they plotted together, what can we do? What should we spend the summer doing, son? Need some father some bonding time. Let's go and inspect Hadrian's Wall and kill some Picts. Yay! Yay! So that's what they did. Bonding session. Lovely bonding session. However, it soon became clear to all that Constantius was ill. Very ill. <laughs> Within the year, he was in his deathbed. That's supposed to be a horrible bed. Yeah. <laughs> Black with skulls carved into the corners. Yeah. Well, let's say we brought a deathbed, but I feel fine. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do we need to pack that? Oh, okay. So lying, dying, apparently... Constantius told all around him that they should follow his son, Constantine. But whether this is true or not, we have no idea. Perhaps Constantine was just very ambitious and took the opportunity presented to him. <laughs> then again, if we remember Constantius's episode, it does make sense that he was prepared to throw a hand grenade into the Tetrarch yeah, at this point, yeah, yeah. because Galerius had pulled off that political manoeuvre and everyone yeah. else was his men. Mm. So, Constantius not too happy. The troops who had been following his father for years seemed to have been happy enough to follow these directions, and all declared for Constantine. Britain and Gaul announced their support immediately. Oh dear. Yeah. Spain, however, had only recently become under Constantius's rule. They were less impressed, mm. and they didn't swear allegiance. Who's this young kid? Yes. Constantine, realising that Galerius would hear of this soon enough, decided to let the Augustus of the East know what had happened. So he sent a letter. But, also, just in case Galerius didn't quite get the point, he also sent a portrait of himself. <laughs> dressed as the Augustus. Brilliant. <laughs> Which I just love. <laughs> Fantastic. So I need to let Galerius know what's the best way. Well, we could send him a letter. Or, right, I dress <laughs> up in my dad's robes. Right, <laughs> You paint me full size. Yeah, no, double full size. Get the really yeah. big paper out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll send that. 
be hilarious. That's a funny hand gesture. <laughs> Give yeah. him a finger while doing it. Yes. Flip I, the bird. I definitely think he was rudely gesturing in this painting. Yeah. Galerius was really not happy. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I order. Yeah, according to Lactentius, when Galerius received the portrait, he flew into a rage and ordered that the portrait be burnt, along with the messenger who had brought it. Roger! <laughs> no! But it's fine. It's okay. One of his advisors calmed him down. Good. The messenger was not burnt. Good. Roger, being very professional... Yeah. Didn't, didn't even not even a flicker of fear while this conversation was going on. Of course, sir. Yes. Let me fetch you the kindling. <laughs> <laughs> no good spot. His advisors, not only calming him down, also pointed out to Galerius that Constantine was actually in a very strong position. Mm. He now had all of his father's troops, and he was in a very defensible place. If Galerius turned around and just said no, Constantine would be able to turn around and say, "Make me," and war would start. Yeah. Let's try and delay that civil war. Yeah, so Galerius probably biting down on a piece of wood or something, <laughs> stopped himself from screaming, sat down to write a letter. Because at this point he had a plan. He was going to get his friend Licinius into that position. Of course, yes. Yeah, and that's ruined. But instead he has to write to Constantine to say, yes, you can join the Tetrarchy, but no, you can't be Augustus. Severus will be Augustus. You must join as Caesar. Oh, that must have been a horrible letter for Gal. Hilarious to write. No, he would not have enjoyed that at all. Made me happy <laughs> to be. I think he's just punching the server next to him every time he's writing a word. Yeah. I am pleased to say <coughs> you get to <coughs> be <coughs> Caesar. <coughs> yeah. So, after his beating, Roger took that letter back. Hobbled. <laughs> Hobbled. <laughs> Thank you, sir. More second class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Constantine received the reply. It was a compromise he decided was worth taking. Mm. He could bide his time. He was still young. He didn't need to be August straight away. Caesar would do just fine. <laughs> Better to work his way up through the Tetrarchy legitimately yep. than to try and fight his way in. That shows some smarts, doesn't it? It does. So there we go. He is now Caesar. Constantine then spent a while ruling his part of the empire. He stayed in Britain, and he used York as his headquarters for fighting the Picts for a while. Isn't there a statue of him in York? I would be surprised if there wasn't. Hmm. It might be one of his father, as he died there. Yeah. Hmm. Let's go to York and find out. Okay. Yes. Ooh, that was a long trip. It was, yeah. Uh, well, it turns out no. No, well, at least we can find it. Well, I couldn't find York. No. Find we, a pub, though. Don't think it's the same place. Anyway, where were we? Oh, yes. So, once he felt that Britain was settled enough, he moved to Trier in Gaul. It's around this time that we first start to see signs that Constantine was going to follow in his father's footsteps in his leniency towards the Christians. Okay. Some historians speculate that he was fully Christian by this very early point. Others think that he converted later on, and mm. others think that he converted much later on. There's quite a bit of debate on when he converted. Yeah. Ultimately, it doesn't really matter, although I will go into it a bit more later. Um, we don't know what his personal beliefs were at this time. It's probably not that important, to be honest, because we know what he did, and that was to, to declare that all the persecutions in his area would not take place. Yeah. But why? Why did he do this? Voters. Well, that's... Yeah, look at you, you, you cynic. 
Some people argue because he was Christian by this point and he wanted to save the Christians. He's a plotter though, isn't he? A planner. Yeah. Some people say just because he was a nice guy and didn't like the persecutions, he had a bit of humanity in him. And some people say that he was doing it because it was the opposite of what Galerius was doing. <laughs> and if he could do anything to oppose Galerius, he would do that. Excellent. So Constantine was... Like you say, he was a plotter. He was very adept at using public opinion to help him. Mm. So as well as highlighting the differences between himself and Galerius at this point, look, he kills Christians and I don't, he also started to highlight how dangerous and uncivilised the barbarians were. He really ramped up the anti-barbarian feeling at the time. So he's not a nice person. Well, we'll come to that when we judge him. Poor barbarians. Yes, um, what we do know is that he was very ruthless and unforgiving to the tribes across the borders at this point. In 306, the Franks decided to invade Gaul. Oh, they soon regretted that. (laughs) Yes, Constantine was able to fight them back, go into the barbarians' land, capture two of their kings, and then feed them to wild beasts. Beasts? Yes. Not sure what beasts. Blackbird? They're wild. Boar? That's also wild. House cat? No, not wild. No, domestic. Probably not one of them, then. Maybe maybe a squirrel? A couple of squirrels? You'd need more than... Yeah, maybe... Five? Maybe six. You want to err on the side of caution. Ten red squirrels. Ooh. Four grey squirrels. Yes, that's a good ratio. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, moving on from the squirrel diversion. Around this time, Constantine heard that his possible childhood friend-slash-rival, Maxentius, had revolted in Rome. Now, I still can't find out where Maxentius was when he was younger. And I don't know where I got this idea that he was with Diocletian. But there was a chance they grew up together. Maybe they didn't. Well, they probably... Let's say they did. Let's say they did. It makes it more fun that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, Maxentius had revolted because he heard that Constantine was in the Tetrarchy and Maxentius wasn't happy about that. No, I mean, that's what he said, yeah. yeah. This gives Constantine pause for thought. <gasps> yes. Thinking. Now, we're going to pause for thought for just a moment. Because this is the last of our Tetrarchy episodes. Yeah. We've had nine episodes covering this period of time. But just, I'm just going to remind you how chaotic this is. <laughs> we are now in 306. Yeah. Arguably the busiest time of the Tetrarchy. So I'm just going to remind you where everyone is right now. Right. Diocletian is in his retirement villa. Growing vegetables. He just wants to be left alone. Yeah. Maxentius is in Rome. He's just revolted, and he's willing to use force to get into the Tetrarchy if he needs to. Yeah. He has allegiance to no one, but is kind of allied with his father. Right. Maximian is also in Rome. He's come out of retirement thinking he could get back into leading the Tetrarchy. Hmm. His allegiance is kind of with his son, but that is purely practical. Yeah. Galerius is in Nicomedia. He's ruling the Tetrarchy. He, in theory, is in a strong position because he wants Dyer, Severus and Licinius to make up the Tetrarchy with him. All he needs to do is get Licinius in there. And he's done. He wants Constantine, Maximian and Maxentius to die. Die horribly. Dyer is in the east. He's currently actually quite happy. Probably the only one. (laughs) And he's loyal to his uncle. This does not last long, though, as you know. No. He soon becomes very bitter and angry with his uncle and is only out for himself. Yeah. Severus is in Milan. He's loyal to Galerius. He's trying to get to grips with his new army, Maximian's Mm. old army. Licinius is travelling to Rome to negotiate with Maxentius and Maximian, and 
he's not going to succeed. He is loyal to Galerius, but only so far as it suits him. Okay. So we have eight people who we've covered so far, alive, all trying to do things. It's a very busy time, it's 306. It's soupy mix, isn't it? It really is. Constantine would have had his eyes on all of them. Yeah, yeah. Trying to figure out what move to make. He would have been very aware that he was alone. Galerius had Dyer and Severus to support him. He must have wondered if it was worth throwing his lot behind Maxentius at this point. <laughs> Especially when he heard that Maximian had come out of retirement. Oh. Could have a block there. He would have been even more tempted when news comes through that Severus had been captured and killed. Now it's even. You've got Galerius, Dyer, and Licinius on one side. Yeah. He could join Maximian and Maxentius three on three. It's looking better, isn't it? It's looking better. But he was a little bit more savvy than that. Ooh. Yeah. As we do already know, Constantine was a cautious person and mm. realised that just blindly throwing his lot behind one side at this time would have locked him into position. Yeah. Better to let the two sides battle it out and swoop in at the end. Pick up the spoils. Definitely. He was probably overjoyed, therefore, when the two Maxes contacted him. Mm. He was offered two things. Ooh. One, he would be recognised as Augustus. Yay. Hooray! He's now Augustus again. Woo. Number two... Maximian's daughter, Maxentius's sister, Fausta, would become his wife. Ooh. This is great news for Constantine. <laughs> Send me a portrait first. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it solidified his reputation yeah. as being part of the royal family. So far, it had been a little bit dicey for him. Despite being <laughs> Constantius's son, he had gotten into his position through a coup, and everyone knew it. Yeah. He has never formally held a position in the Tetrarchy before, and he forced his way in. That's true. This was recognition from one of the ex-emperors that he was actually part of the royal family, and he had a right to be there. So this marriage was very important. In late summer 307, he was married. Yeah. And in return, he accepted Maxentius's claim to be part of the Tetrarchy. <laughs> However, if the Maxes expected any more from Constantine, i.e. some actual help... <laughs> then they were severely disappointed. Oh dear. Because when Galerius invades Italy, Constantine suddenly found he was very busy in Britain. Oh, I've got all these things to file away. Yeah, and... I left it a right state. I've, I'm not sure I closed the gate on Hadrian's Wall. I'm really <laughs> worried the pics are going to come through. So Yeah, I'll truss on back. I'll be back soon. Yeah, I'll be fine. So off he went. <laughs> However, as we know, Galerius was unsuccessful and forced to retreat. Things seemed to be looking good for Constantine. He was not lifting a finger, and Galerius had lost one of his men, Severus, mm. and suffered a humiliating defeat. However, news soon comes through that Maxentius and Maximian had fallen out. Again. And Maximian had been banished. Probably relieved that he was out the action, Constantine waited to see how this would affect him. <laughs> From the wall. Yes. <laughs> and then, for the very last time, the meeting of 308 occurred. Oh, we're not going to see it again. Diocletian yet again rocked up with his wheelbarrow. <laughs> Galerius. Oh, um... Groundhog Day. <laughs> no! <laughs> Maximian and Galerius were there. Licinius may have been there. They sorted out the mess of the Tetrarchy. Everyone else was at home watching the X Factor star results. Yeah. With Severus dead, it was clearly Constantine's turn to take the Augustus role. Yeah. He was the Caesar of the West. It yeah. was his turn to take the Augustus position. Makes sense. However, this seemed quite unlikely, hmm. since it was Galerius making the decision. 
So it was probably no surprise to Constantine when the results were announced. He was probably no less annoyed by it, but I doubt he would have been surprised. Yeah. Galerius's friend Licinius would take the position of Augustus of the West. Constantine was officially Caesar again. Back down to Caesar. Yeah. So, probably a little bit annoyed, but planning his next step, <sighs> he spent a while touring his provinces. His refusal to get drawn into the war seems to have been appreciated by his subjects. Although, there was still plenty for his troops to do at the time. Yeah. Lots of fighting along the Rhine. At some point, someone from the Mint approached him. Hello. Said, uh, th th these coins we're making, they, uh, they still say Augustus on them. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help but notice the minutes from the meeting. You're uh, Caesar now again, aren't you, Constantine? No need to change it, said Constantine. Think of all the paperwork. Got to re recast the die and oh, oh. It'd be awful. And we'll just be changing it back again soon, won't we? Yes. <laughs> One night there was another knock on the door. It was his father-in-law, Maximian. Right. Maximian, with nowhere else to turn, as we covered in his episode, had decided to go and live with his daughter and her new husband. Hey. We can only assume that Constantine's father-in-law coming to stay was a little bit tense. Y yeah. Now, obviously, these two are allies, but no one trusts anyone at this point. <laughs> and Constantine realised that Maximian clearly still wanted to rule. In 310... <laughs> Maximian, I can't help but notice you're still wearing purple. <laughs> In 310, Constantine was out fighting the Franks. The Franks kept trying to get into Gaul. Something to do with them feeling like it was their homeland or something. Never happened. Never going to happen. Yeah. So he was out fighting, and his father-in-law declared that Constantine was dead. What? Yes. If you remember at the end of Matt Simeon's episode, this was his attempt at a coup. Oh, yeah. He waited till Constantine was out and told everyone that he was dead, and all the troops needed to rally to him. <clears throat> Fortunately for Constantine, his troops did not believe this for a moment. <laughs> He's standing right next to me. He's right. He's right there. He's literally yeah. right there. Constantine! He looks, what? He looks, he looks a bit angry. <laughs> Then Jeff, he's a zombie. <laughs> no Jeff, oh no. So he's not really dead. Constantine abandoned his campaign and flew back home. Figuratively, I hasten to add. Good. Yes. Maximian had fled, so Constantine followed. Eventually he chased him down in Marseille. Constantine knocked on the door of the city. Excuse me, have you got an ex-emperor by any chance? Goes by Maximian. He's looking decisively nervous. Yes. The city immediately open their gates and give up the old man. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, he's right there, in that barrel, <laughs> gurgling to himself. <laughs> Constantine sat Maximian down and suggested that perhaps suicide would be the best option for everyone at this point. Yeah. Maximian goes, yeah, definitely, I think you should. No, no, no. <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're just not getting it, Maximian. Your time is over. Maximian hangs himself. Ooh. After this... Constantine was unable to use his connection to Maximian to gather legitimacy. It's true. That's the whole reason for the marriage. And now Maximian was dead. <laughs> that was his fault. Yes. So at some point, someone, probably earned himself a gold star for this, someone squinted at Constantine's family tree for long enough. <laughs> and suddenly discovered, much to everyone's surprise, that, that he was actually, get this, amazing, a descendant of Claudius too. Wow! Which I can only imagine, I've not seen this anywhere, but everyone just went, who? 
No, Claudius too, the hero of the crisis. What? You mean Aurelian? No, no, the hero. He did all that stuff. Claudius. I remember a Claudius that be a Wales, but I don't know. This is obviously why the Historia Augusta had so much hmm. positive stuff to say about Claudius too, and we could not understand why. Now we know. Now we know. Well, we kind of knew them, but still, now we know. Do you think Constantine had, you know, if you have like a tapestry of the family tree and stuff, it's like a really cruelly drawn in with charcoal, like a little branch, extra branch. Yeah, with, uh, I think so. That sort of thing. Well, let's face it, it would go to Constantius and then a family of no relevance. Yeah. Because they were all just born on a farm and rose up through the army, if mm. you remember. So it would just be Constantius, granddad, great granddad. Claudius too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look. <laughs> there he is, look. D- drawn in bio at the top there. <laughs> Wonderful. So this is Constantine. This is the first evidence of Constantine turning away from the idea of the Tetrarchy. Ooh. And going back to the idea of the dynastic rule. I'm descended from emperors. I should be the emperor. This is linked to Constantine turning away also from the religious focus of Jupiter and Hercules. Remember, Jupiter and Hercules have had a big religious religious mm. push recently. Yeah. Diocletian was Jupiter. Maximian was Hercules. <laughs> Instead, the sun god, Sol Invictus, once supported by Aurelian. Remember, Aurelian tried to get one religion across the empire just before he died? Yeah. Yes. Sol Invictus was the one. Mm. The sun god links to Elagabal, Apollo, and Jesus. Yeah. It covered a lot of bases. Yeah. Yeah. So Sol Invictus is the god to support. Constantine declared Aurelian had already done the legwork in trying to get the empire to see Sol Invictus as the most important god. So Constantine did not find it too hard to emphasise his importance. Fair enough. So at this point, Constantine looks around again, reassesses the situation. Severus, Diocletian and Maximian were all out of the picture. Galerius was now much weaker. He'd suffered a defeat. Maxentius was weaker. Yeah. His father had abandoned him, so things were looking good. The new Augustus Licinius was weakest of all. He only had a tiny little province because Maxentius had stolen the rest of it. (laughs) And Dyer, he was far, far away and inexperienced. Mm. Crazy eyes. (laughs) Crazy eyes. Yeah, so things are looking up for Constantine here. Fewer people, and everyone seems a bit weaker. And he's not spent his last few years fighting. And things only improve when news comes through that Galerius had fallen ill. (laughs) Send a sympathy card. (laughs) Sympathy card full of maggots. (laughs) Galerius opens it. There's more! There's <laughs> more of them! Yeah. Make him feel better. Give him some spaghetti. <laughs> so, word then comes through the persecutions against the Christians were to end. Yay! Galerius had had a change of heart <laughs> on his deathbed. Yeah. The attempt to end all the suffering. This was a huge PR win for Constantine. He'd been arguing against these persecutions for a long time, and Galerius mm. had finally been won round. Galerius then dies. Yeah. Licinius and Dyer both race to claim his land. Dyer takes the majority of it, leaving Licinius still relatively weak. Constantine then realises that Maxentius, still in Rome, is now the biggest threat. Dyer is still very far away, Licinius is still weak. So, Constantine starts thinking about how to tackle the usurper Maxentius. He decided that perhaps he'd need to make an alliance with Licinius to make sure he was not caught unawares when fighting hmm. Maxentius. We're not really sure who approached who, as this alliance was good for both of them, but we do know that over the winter of 311-312, Constantine offered his half-sister to Licinius in marriage. It soon becomes apparent 
that Dyer and Maxentius have created their own counter-alliance. Things were getting a little bit tense. Hmm. In early 312, Constantine was not in a good position to attack, however. He had fewer men at his immediate disposal than Maxentius, and Maxentius had proved twice that he could defend his land. So all of Constantine's advisers advised him to against invading Italy. Stay where you are. Wait for him to come to you. Just don't invade Constantine. Yeah. Whatever you do, alone. don't invade. It'll be silly. The very silliest thing to do. Constantine obviously ignores this and took a quarter of his army, about 40,000 men, and crossed the Alps. Maxentius was not expecting this move. Maxentius yeah. had been preparing to invade, yeah. not to be invaded. Why? <laughs> and it, it shocked him a little bit. The first town that Constantine came across was Segestium. It was a heavily fortified town, but not well manned. Constantine was able to burn the gates down, and his men scaled the walls. They mm. took the town easily. By then, word had gotten to Maxentius. Maxentius, unprepared, threw what he had close at hand at Constantine, which was a unit of heavy cavalry. That really wasn't much. It no. certainly wasn't enough to stop Constantine. The heavy cavalry were good, but there are just too few of them. So they were surrounded and defeated with ease. This is a huge mistake by Maxentius. It gave Constantine's advance an air of inevitability. <laughs> yeah, it's going to happen, Max. He took one town easily. He defeated the resistance easily. Piece of cake. All the northern cities of Italy, who not long ago had been taken by Maxentius from Severus, who in turn had taken them from Maximian, decided that Constantine was the better option. Yeah. These cities in North Italy had been swapping hands a bit recently. Their loyalty was not secure with anyone. Yeah. So they decide Constantine's the way to go. They throw <laughs> their gates open. Turin first, Milan followed, and then all the other northern cities. Without breaking a sweat, Constantine's got the north of Italy. He then rests for a few months, and then carries on. He met some resistance when he meets Maxentius's Praetorian prefect, uh, but it was not long before the road was open to Rome. And then we get into the end of Maxentius's episode. As covered before, Maxentius was forced to accept that he could not withstand another siege. Yeah. So he set out and waited to meet Constantine. Constantine arrives at the battle and surveyed his enemy, and probably smiled quite a bit when he saw that Maxentius had lined up too close to the river. <laughs> silly, silly fool. <laughs> Idiot. If it sort of worked, you would have been a hero. Yes. Good one. Both sides sent out their cavalry first. The results were indecisive. But once the infantry met, Constantine was able to push Maxentius's men back slightly. And slightly was all they needed. Because Maxentius's men, too close to the river, panic and flee. And unfortunately for them, fleeing consisted of going across one small pontoon bridge. <laughs> because the Milvian Bridge itself had been taken down. Yeah. Constantine was able to just hack his way through the fleeing troops oh as they drowned in the river. Mm. Maxentius dies. That's when the peas floating along. That's when the peas floated along, yes. Yeah. Right. Okay, I'm going to stop the narrative there. Okay. Because listeners who know their Constantine history are probably wondering that I've, I've missed out his most famous story there. Robbie, I'm pretty sure you've missed out on his famous story there with Constantine. Yes. It's the one with that thing with the thing. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. You're right. This is where the Christian sources claim that before this battle, Christ appeared to Constantine and stated that he would win in the name of Christ. What? It is said that Constantine ordered all his 40,000 men to paint the sign of Christ, probably the Cairo, onto their shields. This is a time where most historians say 
Constantine is definitely Christian by this point. Let's uh, let's look where this story comes from. Okay. You'll probably not be surprised to learn that this comes from Lactentius and Eusebius. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah it does. Right. Lactentius claims that Constantine had a dream the night before the battle and was told to paint the Holy Cross onto the shields of the soldiers. All 40,000 of them. One small pot of red paint. Yeah. <laughs> well, to be fair, we don't thin. we don't thin know. With water. <laughs> yeah. Not not thick crosses, really thin crosses. <laughs> Just small in the corner. That's all you need. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, we don't. It doesn't say how many soldiers painted the sign of the crosses. Uh, it implies all, but it maybe it's not all. Maybe it's just a bodyguard. Maybe none. Eusebius goes into a fair bit more detail. Some days before the battle, Constantine looked up into the sky and saw a cross above the sun. Not only that, he also saw the words, in this sign you will conquer. Possibly like in clouds, I'm not sure. <laughs> Skywriter. Sky, skywriting, yeah. According to Eusebius, Constantine could not work out the meaning of this, which I love. <laughs> you see, he sees the cross and the, and the words. Hmm. What could that mean? Seems to be a sign. I should crucify more people. <laughs> that night, Constantine fell asleep. And Christ appeared in the dream, explaining the sign. I like the idea of Christ turning up and just going, Look, we've given you one sign, you're clearly not getting it, so I'm just going to have to spell it out to you. <laughs> it meant, paint that sign on your shields and you'll win. In this sign you will conquer. Get it? Right, do that. And then, then Jesus yeah. left. Here's a tub of paint. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm good at sharing out small amounts of stuff with lots of people. <laughs> Yes. It's it never any pot of paint, you'll be fine. Yeah. So, Constantine woke up and finally understood. He needed to <laughs> paint the shields with the symbol, possibly the Cairo. These are the Greek letters being the first letters of the name Alpha. of Christ. Oh. Cairo being Christ. It's an X and a big P. You oh, yeah. See the symbol, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. It's called the Cairo. However, you might be surprised to learn that there was a uh, some doubt on whether this actually happened. Really? Yes. There seems to be quite a bit of evidence that Constantine was still actually identifying with Sol Invictus at this point, and he hadn't yet turned to Christ. Hmm. These reports that I've just given you, although they are contemporary in Constantine's lifetime, only appear much, much later when Constantine <laughs> is Sol Augustus, an openly Christian. Yeah. On top of this, Constantine's triumphal arch was placed so that the Colossus, you know, the statue of Nero built yeah. by Nero, yeah. but has since turned into Sol Invictus. Yeah. If you look through Constantine's arch, you see the Colossus statue. Okay. So it gives you the sense that he was still yeah. identifying with Sol. So there's no evidence at all this ever happened apart from this one highly Christian No actual source. evidence, no. The other thing is that um, the depictions of a battle on the arch show no Christian symbolism whatsoever. So right. you do get the feeling that perhaps this was a bit later, but saying that, most historians do still put 312 as the date that Constantine turned to Christianity. Mm. So, that's the story. Okay. Um, and that's what he's most famed for. Really? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you sound doubtful. Yeah. I, I've not even told you about his magic standard yet. Eh? We, we'll get to that in Pythias Maximus. Ooh. <laughs> not a probium crazy, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> Check out my massive standard. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> Rotates. So, Constantine enters Rome. He is victorious. 
He looks around at all these building works going on. If you remember, Matt Sanchez loved to build oh, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And just said, you know what? Keep building all this, but just dedicate everything to me. All right? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That basilica there, that's mine now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maxentius was given Damnatio Memoriae. The Praetorian Guard were disbanded. Goodbye, Praetorians. I remember me saying it. Yes. Mm. And Maxentius's armies were all sent off to the Rhine to surf. To surf? <laughs> <laughs> off you go, lads. <laughs> there are no waves. <laughs> Have a plank of word and a get in the river. <laughs> yeah, no. Off to the Rhine to surf. Nice and yeah. spread out so they couldn't revolt. Yeah, yeah. In 313, Constantine meets up with Licinius in Milan for the wedding between Licinius and his half-sister. Oh, yeah. And this is when he issued the Edict of Milan. I've heard about this. Yes. Christianity was to be accepted throughout the Empire. Constantine was definitely Augustus. Hey, third time he's Augustus now. <laughs> third time's a charm. Yeah. Let's see if it sticks. <laughs> It was not long after this that Constantine hears that Licinius has been invaded by Dyer. If Constantine planned to help out his ally, he did not get the chance. Because news soon comes after that Licinius has not only chased Dyer out of his territory, but also managed to chase him down and kill him. Yeah. Licinius suddenly had half the empire, and the last two men vying for power were allied. <laughs> Peace at last. Said that list last week, didn't we? Yes. But before we continue, let's have a quick look at the Constantine family. Yeah. Because we're finally moving away from the Tetrarchic Wars. Yeah. And we're going to start looking into the future a bit. So I'm going to introduce yeah. a few characters that you're going to need to know over the next few episodes. Constantine has been married five years to Fausta at this point. Yeah. And over the next few years, Constantine and Fausta were busy creating a family, shall we say. Not solidly for five years, I hasten to add. Wow. That would be some success as Artemis. <laughs> Crispus was still around. He okay. would have been in his teenage years around this point. Okay. Added to this, Constantine and Fausta had two daughters and three sons. All over the next few years, where there was generally peace in the empire. The two daughters, we don't know when they were born, so I'll list those first. We had Constantina and Helena after his mother. Oh. Yes. They were born at some point, like I said. We yeah. don't know when. Then we have his second son, Constantine. <laughs> he was born in 316. A year later, his second son, Constantius. And then a few years later than that, in 323, Constans. A son. Yes. So his Constantine's three sons, Constantine, Constantius, and Constans. And they all get an episode. Really? They will all have their own episode, yes. Wow. Yeah. So we have Constantine 2. Constantine 2. Constantius 2. And just Constance. Ugh. Yeah. Okay. So, just, just keep in mind that they exist. Okay. We will definitely be getting into them in future weeks. Right, we covered the war and tensions between Lysanias and Constantine last week, so I'm going to go easy on the details here. Yeah. Within a couple of years, the two emperors were at war. The battles mostly went in Constantine's favour, but due to some outmanoeuvring by Licinius, it was a draw. Yeah. The two sides come to a truce, and it was decided that Constantine's sons, Crispus and Constantine II, would 
would become Caesar of the West, and Licinius's son, Licinius, would become Caesar of the East. Constantine also took control of the Danube region. Yeah. He was now very much seen as the senior Augustus by this point. Again, as we saw last week, Licinius began to distrust the Christians in his area. So if there was doubt over whether Constantine had adopted Christianity by the Battle of the Milvian Bridge, there's none anymore. Constantine is pretty much openly Christian by now. How do we know this? Because when civil war does erupt again, yeah. Constantine was using big banners saying, I'm a Christian, way hey. Okay. Or something like that. It might have just been like a symbol of a cross or something. But they were obviously Christian banners. Do you think he was doing that because he knew Licinius distrusted them? No, I personally get the sense that by this point he was actually definitely Christian. Okay. We'll discuss how Christian was Constantine later on. Um, <laughs> Accounting of dead bodies. <laughs> and torture victims. Yeah. So, Civil War, part two. Constantine beats Licinius at Adrianople, as we covered last week. He chased Licinius down. He won a couple more battles, sort of, until night fell, so it was a draw, and Licinius yeah. ran away, and we've covered this. <laughs> Eventually, he catches up with him. Licinius realises his number is up. He gave himself up to his brother-in-law. Constantine, listening to his sister, did not kill Licinius. He merely put him under house mm. arrest. For three months. Yeah, for, for a few months. Didn't last very long. Then Constantine discovers that pesky coup attempt. Yes. Awful that he found some goth yeah. somewhere and was planning to kill him. How dare he? So now we finally get to the end of last week's episode. We start going into new territory. I'm not used to this. No, this is something new. Constantine hangs Licinius. Yeah. And Licinius. And his son. Yes. His son, of course, being his sister's son, so his nephew. Ooh. Awkward Christmas that year. <laughs> and they'll be celebrating as yeah. well, I guess. Got this new festival, guys. It's called Christmas. We can all sit around and be really awkward. <laughs> Pass the turkey. <laughs> Comes from Mexico, don't you know? Did you know that? No, I didn't know. They're called turkeys because they were imported from Mexico to Turkey and then spread throughout Europe from Turkey. Really? But they're actually Mexican. That's why they're That explains the accent. Yeah, and the tequila. That's rare, Yeah. So finally, after a little bit of awkwardness, mm. Constantine is the Emperor of Rome. Empore totalis. Yes, as people refer to him as. So Constantine wastes no time once sole emperor. To the point where you can really tell he'd been planning this all along. There is no time wasted here. He starts making many reforms, issuing edicts, and working on his pet project, the building of New Rome. <laughs> New Rome. New Rome. Lots of people just called it Constantine's City. Yes. But its original name was New Rome. Roma Nova. A couple of years later, a scandal rips through the empire. Scandal. Oh, yes. The adult son of the emperor, Crispus, who had fought in the war against Licinius, who had fought countless barbarians, mm. who was beloved by the people as much as they loved the emperor himself, was killed. <gasps> How? Constantine executed him. What? Oh, yes. He's not making next year's Christmas any better, is he? <laughs> He's really not. And if that's not enough, within a couple of months... Fausta was thrown into a hot bath and drowned on Constantine's orders. Ooh. 
I mean, in a way, it's making Christmas less awkward. In a way. He's, he's just getting rid of all the people who'll be there. Yeah. So any listeners, if you want to make your Christmas less awkward and slightly easier to manage, kill your family. Yeah, easy. These sudden arrests and executions seem to have come out of the blue, and we have no idea why they happened. But this does not stop people from speculating. Yay! But we'll do that in a probium crazy. So, he kills his wife and his child. Nice. Yeah. Nice guy. By this time, New Rome, or, as I mentioned, Constantinople, as most... What? Yeah, oh, sorry. That's a bit of a shock for you. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Yeah, Constantinople, starting to get ready. Yeah. Yeah. Constantine moves in. This is his new capital. Slap bang in the middle. Rome, who uses Rome anymore? Mm. Nicomedia was full of Diocletian and Galerius' people. And also is very, very pagan. Mm. Not many Christians there. So, new capital, fresh start. So Constantine campaigns in the Danube region for a while. After this, there's no one left to fight. Let's fight some barbarians. He even rebuilds Trajan's Bridge. Ooh. Remember the very impressive bridge that Trajan built? It was stupidly long. Yes. And it didn't last for very long, because as soon as they built it, they realised, oh dear, the barbarians can cross this, so they took it down again. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's rebuilt, and Constantine decides to take Dacia back. Aurelian had given up on it far too easily. Mm. He can take Dacia back, he thought. Obviously, he had second thoughts at some point, because Dacia wasn't taken back, but the plan was definitely there. Despite not being able to take it back, however, this shows that the Danube region is more stable than it had been for quite some time. Mm. Things are looking quite good. In the early 330s, Constantine decides that, what can I do next? I've won all the civil wars, the barbarians are calm. I've got peace again. So where do you go next? Africa? Where's the bigger threat? Oh, Persia! Yeah, Persia! It's time to go and invade Persia, he thought. It's like you say, they're at peace. Yeah. Why not? Why so, the hell not? he writes to Shahpur. He's still knocking around. He's immortal. Wow. No, this is Shahpur too. Okay. Yes. He was king at the time. Brilliant. So he writes to Shahpur and says, By the way, Shahpur, um, all the Christians in Persia, um, they're actually my subjects, I've decided. Not yours. <laughs> because they're Christian and so am I. So nah, 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 nah. So where they live is now my land. Well, that, that was a bit debatable. Because that's, that's what Hitler did with Czechoslovakia. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit warmongery, really, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Persians were not too pleased by this. By this time, his surviving sons were getting old enough to actually tag along with the campaigns, and Constantius was put in nominal charge of the defences in the east. So he was a little bit too young to actually do anything at this time, but he was hanging around taking note. Yeah. yeah. Shadowing. Yeah. With a clipboard, <laughs> just occasionally mentioning who his father is, yeah, and all the generals looking really stressed. <laughs> oh, well, so why why are you doing that? Because my father Constantine um, would like to know why that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'll be sure to mention that to my father. Yeah, interesting. He sounds fun. Saw so the generals doing their reports and occasionally snapping their pencils <laughs> in frustration. Yeah, Persia realizing that it's only a matter of time. Preempted the attack and invaded Armenia. Of course they did. Of course. <laughs> That's what Armenia's for. <laughs> it's to invade. Remember, Armenia had recently declared themselves the first ever Christian country. Mm. Yes. 
So Constantine not happy about this. This, however, is the pretext Constantine was looking for, and he ordered that a tent in the shape of a church be built, some bishops be gathered together, get ready to invade. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Church tent. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Like, we've got to go and kill ourselves some Persians. Can't possibly do that without a church. We can't take a church with us, Constantine. So, sir, how much are you willing to spend? Because we've got this smaller... <laughs> Smaller village church version here, which is, you know, can seat 500 people. We have the next model up, which is a large city church, up to a thousand people. Or the cathedral model, with the mock stained glass window design, got a, <laughs> with the altar at the front, a font for little children to mm. baptise in. Separate area you can zip up to just sleep in peace. Yes. Yes. So, or to rest in peace. <laughs> just one of our little jokes. <laughs> yes. Don't worry, it's it's just one of those ones you get it out of the bag and it just... It, pop up. It's a pop-up tent. It's just a huge one. None of those putting up poles with a hammer anymore. Yeah. Oh, no. He went for the cathedral. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Why don't they do ch- tent churches anymore? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> so, all that is ordered. He also releases his plans. Good, lovely case of multitasking here. On the way to kill lots of Persians, he's going to get baptised in the River Jordan. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Um, however, just before they set off, Constantine becomes sick. Oh. In 337, he left Constantinople for the hot baths in Hellenopolis, a city named after his mother. Oh. Because he loved his mum. However, it soon became apparent that he was going to die. Oh dear. So back to Constantinople he heads. He wants to die in his city. But he only got as far as the suburbs of Nicomedia. Mm. He summoned the bishops of the city together and he was baptised just before death. And then he died. (laughs) But fear not. He had made secure plans for the future to make sure the empire was safe. Good. What do you think he's going to do? Son in charge? I'll put them both in charge. He has three sons. Oh, no. And a couple of nephews he quite likes as well. Oh, brilliant. Good. Yes. I was, I was just thinking, it'd be great now we get to even it out now. Nice and simple, one after the other. Yeah, he uh, he divides the empire up, gives a third each to Constantine, Constantius and Constans, gives one of his nephews a kind of, you're in charge of defence in the east while the Persian War goes on, and gives Constantinople itself to another nephew. What could possibly go wrong? Do we'll, ever learn? We'll find out yeah. over the next few episodes. <laughs> so, there you go. That's Constantine's life. I like the way he's gone from to relative peace at the end of all that. Is the end was quite calm. Yeah, we are finally at the end of the Tetrarchic Wars. Yeah. I feel like his peace is very short-lived. It's insanely short-lived. <laughs> But it was there. But right now, there's peace, sort of, apart yeah. from the massive war with Persia about to start. Yeah. <laughs> the storm clouds on the horizon. <laughs> but right now, there is peace. Yeah. Oh. There we go. Live up to the myth, do you think? I guess. I'm less impressed than I was hoping to be. I'm expecting more. a Redian style, you know. Well, let, let's dive into it a bit. We'll see if that's... I'm, yeah, more. I might be more impressed. Fightius Maximus. A surprisingly short round, this. Really? Yes, well, I knew Constantine was going to be a long episode. Yeah. And we've kind of already covered all the major battles that That's he's true. done before. So let's just do a quick summing up to begin with. For good, he was undefeated. Yeah. He beat Maxentius. He beat Licinius. 
he beat a whole bunch of Franks and some Martians. Mm. There we go. <laughs> that's it. That's the summing up. Apart from that, and the details we've covered in other episodes, we really don't have much. There's a little mm. bit more detail in some of those battles. Yeah. Surprisingly, though, things like the Battle of the Milvian Bridge, mm. one of the most famous battles in Roman history, there's hardly any detail in it. I was expecting more. It's far more detail about the vision of Christ he had beforehand. Yeah. That's why it's famous, yeah. not the actual battle itself. So we don't really have a huge amount of detail. A couple of things to note, though. In the battle we covered last week against Licinius yeah. in Adrianople, the one where he hit the cavalry and the archers in the woods <laughs> and yes. then built a fake bridge. Yeah, yeah, that one. There's some suggestion that he was actually shot in the leg with an arrow during that battle. Ooh. Yes, but lived to tell the tale. So there you go, he was wounded in battle. Perhaps maybe he deserves something for that. He had a magic standard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is... (laughs) This is Eusebius. This is Eusebius. Right. Is he, he goes the furthest, shall we say, <laughs> with uh, what he claims to have happened? Go on. Well, there, there's not much to report. He just very briefly mentions that he had a magic standard that attracted all of the spears like a magnet, but the person holding the standard could not be harmed. So it ended up just looking like a pincushion. Now, apparently, Constantine then used this standard in all his future battles, and no one could be harmed holding that standard. There was a, a face of disbelief on Jamie right now. So there you go. That's quite nice, isn't it? Magic standards? <sighs> Not even running that down. <laughs> yeah, Eusebius is a... He's tough to get through. He really is. I, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> But that's nice, though. It's our first magic standard. So let's not. That's true. Let's not completely discuss First bit of magic in general. Really. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, I know that's brief, but let's not forget that that is actually quite impressive. He won yeah. the civil war. He ended up on top, um, and he fought back some barbarians. But also, he had the political fighting early on. He made choices not to rush into. Yes, things. he knew when not to fight, which is impressive and important as well. However, there are some bad things. Ooh. Now, he does actually have a reputation for being an amazing general. Mm. He's considered one of the best generals in Roman history. But does he really deserve that? Or does this stem from the fact that he happened to be on top of the civil war at the end? Yeah. Maxentius was not good. <laughs> yes, he beat Severus, but that was his dad. Yes, he beat Galerius, but that was his dad. Yes, he beat Alexander, but that was his Praetorian prefect, who yeah. was Alexander. And then he set his army up against a river, mm-hmm. so he obviously lost that battle. So yeah, and we've already decided he wasn't good at no. So as well. I mean, how much credit can we give Constantine for winning mm. that battle on the Melvian Bridge? And with Licinius as well, they, it kept getting to a draw. Well, that's it. He no, really struggled to beat Licinius, mm. and in fact, made a couple of tactical blunders. Yeah. That meant that what should have been a victory ended up being a draw. Well, he decided, I remember you telling me in one of the battles, instead of using horses, he used sheep. Exactly, a tactical blunder. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's an odd one. He is considered one of the best generals in Roman history, but Mm. I I must admit, I'm not, I'm certainly not in 10 territory here. No. Which I thought, when I first started doing this, oh, Constantine's coming up, I thought we would be in that territory, but I don't think we are. It's impressive what he did. He did. He won a Mm. civil war. He got injured in a battle, he didn't lose a battle, and he fought many of them. I think it's high. Had a magic standard. He had a magic standard. Uh, so, yeah. And despite the tactical disadvantage of using sheep, 
mm. as cavalry is good in a way because it's well fortunately food. that was the day that Lysenius decided to use chickens yeah so it <laughs> it leveled out in the end so it was fine yeah cool. <laughs> they'll fly be fine <laughs> yeah um yeah I mean like I said earlier I'm not as impressed with Constantine as I thought I would be um I think seven is fair. Yeah, I'm hovering between seven and eight. It's a strong one. It's a good one. You're definitely getting at least five straight up for winning a civil war. Yeah, and always, I mean, undefeated. Yeah, you're going to get some bonus points for being undefeated. I'll give him one point for being shot in the leg because you can get <laughs> something for that. Oh, I don't know. Should I go for eight, seven, or eight? I won't judge you. I'm going to go for eight. Go for eight. I'm going to go for eight. I'm judging you so hard right now. That is fifteen. <laughs> Aprovium Crazium. I guess this section might be a little bit longer. Well, despite the wealth of material that we have that states he is quite literally a saint, <laughs> because he is a saint. Is he? Yes, he is a saint in the Christian religion. Oh, well. There's also plenty of evidence that he had a bit of a nasty side. <laughs> well, yeah, already I've seen some of that. Let's go into the details. First of all, this juicy story that he killed his wife and his son mm. yes right so what actually happened i'll first tell you the story that's mainly accepted by historians then we'll decide what actually happened then we'll look into some less likely scenarios then we'll decide so zosimus reports this fausta wife of constantine yeah was jealous of her stepson, Crispus, and the influence that Crispus had on his father. He was clearly the heir, but he was not her son. Therefore, she plotted to get rid of Crispus. She spent all her time seducing him. Now, bearing in mind that Fausta's only a few years older than Crispus. That's true. Yeah, Constantine had Crispus when he was very young, got married to Fausta quite a bit later. There's not much different age difference between Crispus and Fausta. Mm. Crispus apparently refused the advances. So Fausta, angry that her plan wasn't working, went to plan B, and went straight to Constantine and claimed that Crispus had tried to rape her. Ooh. Constantine was outraged and ordered the execution of his son. However, it was not long before the truth came out, and in a second fit of rage, Constantine had his lying wife executed by putting her in a hot bath and drowning her. Hmm. Makes sense. Well, that's definitely the most popular story put Hmm. forward. Other ideas. Crispus and Fausta were plotting treason and got caught. This just seems unlikely, though. And this is the wife of the emperor and the heir. What more do they need? (laughs) That's true. Just, the future set up. Yeah, exactly. Obviously not very long, but... Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't seem likely, so I'm going to discount that one. Okay. Next one. Constantine was jealous of his son's popularity. <laughs> now, there is a case for this. The people loved Crispus. He was the the daring prince. He'd really shown himself very capable in fighting the barbarians and Licinius. Apparently the crowds cheered just as loudly for him as they ever did for Constantine. So there is a case that perhaps he was jealous. Mm. But this, even if we say that Constantine would murder his own son out of jealousy, this does not in any way explain why Fausta was killed. No, it's true. So the next one, Constantine wanted to make the succession nice and clear, so he got rid of his illegitimate son, so there would be a clear succession. This is a ridiculous argument, because yeah. if you look at the actual succession in the end, 
it was anything but clear. No. He essentially threw a map up in the air and went, you guys get on with it, I'm going to go and die now. <laughs> See you guys later. It really wasn't clear. No. <laughs> it would have been far clearer had Crispus survived and become the Emperor. It also does not explain Faustus' execution. No. So I'm going to discount that one as well. Hmm. So, what is the truth? Now, interestingly... What I think is the most obvious thing that happened really doesn't crop up very often as a, as a suggestion. Now, the evil stepmother story seems a little bit too far-fetched. This was all Fausta plotting and scheming. Happens a lot in Disney. Exactly. It's the evil, wicked stepmother. It also has happened in Roman history in the past. Look at Livia. The Livia killed everyone theory, which is ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. It just does not ring true, and it screams of just, oh, blame it on the woman, because they're all evil. They're well, quite a lot of historians <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of went for. Roman misogyny. Yeah. So despite, like I say, it's the one that is mostly put forward, I, I'm just not seeing that Fausto was doing this. It seems to place Constantine as the tragic hero who was duped. Hmm. Is it not a lot easier to explain what happened if we just accept the fact that Constantine was perhaps of a ruthless and potentially nasty man. I think so. Yeah. Eusebius refers to Crispus. Now, this is Eusebius, who loves Constantine. Yeah. And refers to Crispus. His son Crispus, a most God-beloved prince, and in all respects like his father. Mm. And Eusebius even then goes to, on to subtly invite the reader to compare Crispus and Constantine to Jesus and God themselves. <laughs> subtly be fair, and I will quote, both of them, father and son, under the protection, as it were, of God, the universal king, and the son of God, saviour of all. So it's, yeah. it's referring yeah, to them yeah. both as being father and son next to each other. Eusebius clearly loved Crispus. So they have to come up with a reason for Constantine killing him. It really throws a spanner in the works of the whole Constantine is a saviour of Christianity, that he killed his son here. So, this is my theory. Go on. Fausta and Crispus were having an affair. Mm. Constantine found out. Yeah. Constantine kills them. Simple. But it's got Occam's razor yes. supporting it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It there fits everything, and it's by far the most simple. Or Newton's flaming laser sword. Yeah, chop away all the crap until he gets the, the rain up. And to me, that yeah, what you said makes a lot more sense. Well, yeah, I mean, you, the one problem with this is that it was several months later that Fausta was killed, and he didn't kill both of them at the same time. But, but she, she could have pleaded the whole exactly. Rape thing. It really wouldn't I surprise would. <laughs> me that he finds out, kills his son in a fit of rage. It just bubbles inside him for several mm. months and then in another fit of rage he kills his wife or maybe just a few the rumour starts writing servants just saying well, actually yeah maybe that she was inviting him in so yeah exactly but we have a video he goes my god what's that <laughs> get scared is it going to come out the screen When, when when people first saw the first ever moving picture music image of the train. Oh, oh I see. Right, okay. What were you thinking? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um Yeah. I, I just think Constantine had a very nasty temper, flew off the handle and yeah. killed his wife and his son. I yeah, I think I think that makes that works to me. Let's yeah. go with that one. That's the official Tatalis ranking of yes, reasoning. It is. 
Okay, I'll just finish with a, a quote from Eutropius here. Okay. But the pride of prosperity caused Constantine greatly to depart from his former agreeable mildness of temper, falling first upon his own relatives. He put to death his son, an excellent man, his sister's son, a youth of amiable disposition, soon afterwards his wife, and subsequently many of his friends. So don't forget, he's already killed his nephew and his That's wife true. and his son. In fact, let's, let's just put it into a list, shall we? Oh, he yeah. has killed two of his brother-in-laws. Right, okay. Yes. Remember Bassianus from last oh, week? Oh, yes. Who I kind of skimmed over this week for time reasons. Yeah. But yeah, that was his brother-in-law. Oh, yeah. Killed him. Yeah. Licinius killed him. His father-in-law, Maximian, killed yes. him. Yeah. His nephew, his son, and his wife. And this is only some of his relatives that he killed yeah. that we have covered. Yeah. He's got a bit of a trend going on there. He's a bit killy. It's a little yeah. bit killy. Right, a bit more on Maxentius here, because there's actually a little bit more that I skimmed over. Okay. Maxentius, if you remember, hung himself after it was suggested that maybe suicide was the best option. Yeah. However, it was not long afterwards that a different story started to emerge from Team Constantine. Hmm. Apparently, Maximian didn't hang himself because Constantine told him to. No, no, not at all. And I will quote Lactentius here. Maximian addressed himself to his daughter Fausta and solicited her to betray her husband. He promised to obtain for her a more honourable allegiance than one with Constantine. And he requested her to allow the bedchamber of the emperor to be left open and to be only slightly guarded. Fausta undertook to do whatever he asked, but instantly revealed the whole plan to her husband. A plan was laid for deceiving Maximian in the very execution of his crime. They placed a base eunuch to be murdered instead of the emperor. Maximian went in armed, slew the eunuch, sprang forth exultingly and avowed the murder. At that moment, Constantine showed himself on the opposite side with a band of soldiers. The dead body was brought out of the bedchamber. The murderer, taken in fact, all aghast, stood like stone, silent and motionless. Ooh. Now, this probably didn't happen. No. This is clearly Constantine coming up with a reason why Maximian had to die. Yeah. But can I just point out that this is the propaganda <laughs> supporting Constantine, and it involves him placing a poor man in a bed yeah. to be killed. And no one's got a problem with that. <laughs> yeah. That poor eunuch. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Mm. Different times. Different times. Right, I'll end the uh, the bad, crazy section with a quote, a quote from Zosimus. Not a Constantine fan. <laughs> Brilliant. Now the whole empire had fallen into the hands of Constantine, he no longer concealed his evil disposition and vicious inclinations. He acted as he pleased. That doesn't surprise me. But the evidence stacks up to that. If he wants to mm. kill his family, he will. Yeah, so that's bad crazy. Right, mm. good saying. And like I've said, never before we had such a divisive emperor from yeah. the sources. Because we've also got loads and loads of stuff that says he is, like I say, literally a saint. He was wonderful. Yeah. But scraping away all the obvious made-up <laughs> bias, yeah. there are actually some good things in here. He worked very hard to rid the empire of religious persecutions. Yeah. There's very little evidence to suggest that his pro-Christian stance was also an anti-pagan stance. He didn't seem to turn the tables on the pagans. He just rose Christianity, which is yeah. that's quite good. Yeah. He clearly wasn't mad. 
No, he's not mad. Demonstrated by the fact that he was able to coordinate vast military endeavours. He's not mm. He's not tin hat wearing. <laughs> he issued kind laws. Babies were no longer allowed to be left to the elements. Constantine <laughs> created a law that stated if children could not be afforded to be looked after, then just present your baby to the local magistrate. <laughs> and we'll leave it outside. <laughs> I just think... This poor trainee lawyer <laughs> sitting down to eat. Ding dong. Oh, another one going to the door. Sorry, I can't afford this one. Dump. Oh, another baby to look after. <laughs> 52 in his office. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Loads of babies. <laughs> yeah, this law didn't work for various reasons, by the way, but the intent was there. So he obviously yeah. had a, some kind thoughts. That was nice. The following is the best quote that I can find about his character from a source that is not claiming that he is saintly. This is Eutropius. He was a man who, in the beginning of his reign, might have been compared to the best of princes, in the latter part of it only to those of a middling character. Innumerable good qualities of mind and body were apparent in him. He was exceedingly ambitious of military glory and had great success in his wars. He was attached to the arts of peace and to liberal studies. He was ambitious of honourable popularity, which he indeed sought by every kind of liberality. Nice. So overall, let's sum all that up, because right. that was quite a big section, wasn't yeah. it? Feel free to disagree with me here, but this is my impression right. of a very complex character. Yeah. I think he was a very ambitious man. Yes. Who was ruthless in his pursuit of power. Yes. He would plot, he would scheme, he would lie and kill to get what he wanted. Yeah. Yeah. But was he crazy? No. And how much probium did he actually cause? Mm. Time to give him a score. See, I'm thinking of kind of the six mark. Because he killed his family. I'm not going to go quite that high, I don't think. Mm. I'm going to give him a good solid five for the killing his own family. Yeah. But I'm not... I don't think I can go any higher than that. He didn't yeah. do anything hugely crazy. But he was a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. You sticking with your six? I'm sticking with six. Okay, so that is 11 for a Probium Crazy. Success Ultimus! Okay, this might be his round. <laughs> he is the new Augustus. Yeah. He is known as Constantine the Great. <laughs> Admittedly, this is from biased sources, but when has the great epithet ever been given from an unbiased source? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> You could argue that we would not be sitting in a predominantly Christian country right now if it was not for Constantine. That's very true. Now that's some impact right there. Whole, yes, whole world impact. Yes. It's in no way hard to believe that if it wasn't for the push from Constantine that Christianity would have died out in the same way that many other similar deities at the time did. Yes. Yeah, if he decided to stick with Sol Invictus, for instance, who knows what the world would look like now. So his success in promoting his religion is undeniable. Yes. He also shaped that religion. Now, this is a, a huge thing from his reign that we just do not have time to go into, but hopefully we'll be able to pick it up with his sons. And this is the Aryan problem. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Doesn't sound anywhere near as bad as that might first okay. say. <laughs> it comes from Arius, who was a bishop. Okay of um, Alexandria. We, okay. we just don't have time to go into the details. We will in future episodes, but if you want to find out more, go and listen to the history of Rome, because he covers it really well. To very quickly sum this up, leading bishops from different cities disagreed on a very, very important point. Was Christ God, or was Christ of God? Yes, and people still debate that now. Now, apparently this was 
a big enough question for a lot of heavy debate that can quite easily lead to fighting. Yeah. Yes. So, Constantine organised a lovely official meeting of the church. A really big one, in fact, an universal meeting of Ooh. the church. The first of its kind. Everyone who was anyone in the church was invited. They all argued it out for a long time. Cut a very long story short. In the end, it was decided that Jesus was God. Okay. And not of God. And that's good, they all thought. Apart mm. from ones that didn't. And they sought. Yeah. Yeah. Like I say, I'll, I'll go into a bit more detail with this later. <laughs> yeah. So Constantine was shaping the religion yeah. in what we now see as its early stages. In law, he did loads, but not everything was successful. The aforementioned Save the Babies law mm. didn't work. I hope they had a campaign, Save the Babies. <laughs> <laughs> Posters and short adverts. And... Black and white photos. Yeah. That make things look really sad. Save the babies. Don't leave them to die. Hand them to your local lawyer. <laughs> yeah. Tony, he's more than happy that one. <laughs> yeah. So that, that one didn't work. But he introduced lots of other laws. His laws against rape were very strong. Mm. That sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah. We'll go into the details there. Uh, a man was burnt alive or torn apart by animals if he was found to have raped someone. It was frowned upon, shall we say. Yeah. As it definitely should be. Yeah. However, unfortunately, the punishment also applied to the woman if it was in any way suspected that she had consented. And we know from today that it's quite hard for a woman to convince people she hadn't consented. So what actually happened was lots of women ended up being burnt alive because they were raped. Also, if you just happen to be a young pair of lovers, mm. and the woman was a virgin, that counted. Oh. Rape was not seen as forcible action, it was undesirable action from the parents' point of view. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, like I say, those laws were strong. <laughs> and harsh. And harsh. Very, very wow. harsh. Yeah. The economy. He helped the economy. Not perfectly. But he did stabilise gold. The economy's been all over the place for quite some time. Yeah. This is where gold is finally starts to stabilise. He issued some new coins. I say he did. Diocletian issued these, but they only took hold under Constantine, so we're going to give the credit to Constantine yeah. there. They were called the Solidus. Solidus. Good, good name, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty They were good, solid, solid gold coins. This coin changed over time, but essentially lasted as long as the Empire did. Okay. So we're talking a thousand years at least. Wow. Factoid time. I found out some brilliant facts. Oh, go on. Yeah, right. First one. The word soldier comes from this coin, because the soldiers were paid with a solidus. Ah, that's very good. Number two. The word sold itself. Yeah. Yeah. And number three, the bizarre one, this, shorthand for shilling is an S. Not for shilling, but for solidus. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the old way of writing an S, obviously, was the big, long, curly F. Yeah, yeah, without the flick. Yeah, that, in shorthand, slowly became what looks like a forward slash, which is why the forward slash is also known as a solidus. Ah, yeah, facto time. That's quite cool. Whack those facts out next dinner party. Yeah. Anyway, back to Constantine. If you believe in the divide of Roman and Byzantine empires, if you think there should be a dividing line there then Constantine is the founder of the Byzantine Empire. Okay. And this empire lasts a thousand years. It's impressive. It's longer than the current. Oh, yeah, we're we're only 300, 
50 years in. Mm. Yeah, the Byzantines last a thousand years from this point on. Constantine founds it by making the city of Constantinople. Do We're not counting them as two separate things, are we? Really? I personally don't see them as two separate things. They're Roman. They started as Romans, they ended as Romans. So they still call themselves Romans, and they would. Yeah. It's only a more modern interpretation of that. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So I don't like the concept of the Byzantine Empire, I would always just refer to them as the Roman Empire. I don't even like calling it the Eastern Roman Empire, I just think of it as the Roman Empire. It's yeah. just one, I don't understand why you need to split it in any way whatsoever. It's just easier to split time, it's, it's more for looking back at it, I guess. I suppose, easier. because it is a long period of time. So maybe Compartmentalise it a bit more. But yeah, that leads us on to the building of Constantinople. Now, unfortunately, I'd love to go into the details of Constantinople, yeah. because it's a fascinating place, but it's going to be around for a long time in these episodes. <laughs> so there will be time in future um, to talk about the building of Constantinople. But all we need to talk about now is that he founds it. He makes a new city. Named after him as well. Named after him, unofficially to begin with, but it soon takes the official name of Constantinople. So that's all very impressive, isn't it? Yeah, it did quite well. Bad. If you were a devout pagan, and if you could see into the future, <laughs> you perhaps would not be too happy. If you were a young lover, <laughs> and you were being burnt alive, you perhaps would not be too happy. <laughs> the stabilisation of gold was a good thing, but he completely ignored silver and bronze. That led to a divide between the rich who could use the gold and everyone else who had to rely on these rubbish coins. Make the rich richer, the poor poorer. Yes. Final two things, and I think these are biggies. Mm. As you pointed out, peace at last at the end. Yeah. He picked a fight with the Persians for no reason. But at this point, the empire is stable. Yeah, we can't look, I, I'm not, I can't look into the future. The Empire's the most stable it's been in years, after all the civil wars. Fair enough. The end of the crisis. And finally, his succession plan <laughs> is the worst succession plan in the world. Again, that's going to happen in the future. But already you could decide he's not looking at what's happened in the past. Yeah. So it's probably not going to work out well. I agree that we shouldn't be looking into the future of what's happened to judge him, but it is his succession plan. This isn't... Mm what happens when he dies because he died unexpectedly he left the empire to five separate people yeah he's 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 split up the empire even more yeah he he did essentially what his father did on his deathbed which was i'm just going to leave this here and uh, i'm going <laughs> to pop off and die and you guys can sort this mess out yourselves good luck yeah now the empire was at peace and he decided to do that it's just such a ridiculous thing for him to have done yeah. Yeah. So, what do we think? Well, I think he's... Loads of good stuff. He's he's shaped the modern world. Yeah. He's yeah. Shaping, I mean, it's huge, isn't it? <laughs> he's shaping the rest of the empire. Yeah. He founded a city that lasted a thousand years, and then obviously went on to be another very successful city afterwards. Mm. He shaped the biggest religion in the world. It, it's huge. I think the only question is, is it a perfect 10, or does his succession plans knock him down slightly? I'm I'm going to knock him down one for the stupidity of it. I'm tempting to. It was stable. It was nice and stable. But maybe he was thinking, if if I put the one person in charge, how are the other two going to react to that? They're not going to like that. If I divide it up, they've got their own land, it will be more stable. Maybe that's what he's thinking. That's the only logic I can think of. Yeah, there must be some logic. I'm going to give him nine. I can't give him a perfect ten, but I understand if you would. 
I'm very tempted to. I, I honestly know. can't decide between the two. We gave Augustus a perfect turn. He created an empire. So did Constantine. He's continuing it. An empire is currently there. Uh, but he remoulded it in his image. He did. He he's changed the world. He's changed the entire world. Well, I'll give him ten then. If you sold it to me. Have I? That's interesting because yeah. I was about to say nine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you can go nine if you want. Yeah, I, I, it's like you said. That succession plan. It's just so Stupid. awful. But there's probably a, lo- a logic behind mm. it, but it, it's not going to work. I'll go for nine. You know, for nine I'm right. going to knock that down. So that is a nineteen. <laughs> the successor to Optimus. Image of face. Okay. Well, he's got a face. He's got short hair, a laurel leaf. I should probably mention the stash. He's got a bit of a beard. Jamie like. has a coin of Constantine in front of him. Yes, uh, it, in minted in between uh, three hundred nine and three ten. So that is in before Leon. fighting Maxentius. In Leon, it's been on the back. There's actually a figure of Sol Invicticus. So you think he looked like that on the coin? Probably more three-dimensional, but something like that, yeah. Before I show you, I've got something slightly different for you here. Ooh. Yeah. Because there was a Colossus built of him, which I did very oh, really? briefly mention. It was in the Basilica of Maxentius. Remember the great building Maxentius built? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yes, yes, you did. In the far end, there was built... A colossus of him sat down so it would fit in the building, but it was a huge statue. The head alone is two and a half metres tall. It's almost as big as yours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm joking. Um, and I'll, I'll just give you an idea here. So the head, the arms and the legs were carved out of marble. Mm. But because it was in a sitting position, they realised they didn't need to make the whole thing out of marble. So the rest of the body was constricted Paper. of a brick core and a wooden framework, oh, for, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. yeah, so that part disintegrated. But we've got the other bits of him in marble still. And oh, here wow. is, with someone standing wow. next to it... Wow. Yes, a really big bust and a hand that's pointing and a bit of an arm of him. That's a massive head. Yeah. Big eyes. It's quite a long face, isn't it? It's quite... Yeah, my like, face. A big nose. He's bringing the classical look back, isn't he? He is, yeah. He's definitely looking more like an Augustus or yes. one of those earlier emperors. He's clean-shaven. He's got short, neat hair. Yeah. Yeah. If he had a beard, it would be far more impressive, I think. No, it's still pretty impressive. You're not impressed with um, it. It's gone. It's, it's right. It seems quite <clears throat> generic to me, actually. I'm not amazed by it. I'm gonna go for five. Oh, only five. I'm a bit mm. more impressed. I'm gonna give him a. Uh, I'm gonna give him a seven. I think <laughs> he's got a good look about him. That is a three then for him, Joe Facius. Temple completed. What are you thinking, less than? Thirteen years. Thirteen. Mm. Well, you see, I did skip quite a bit of time. In Twenty-five. The, and then there was thirty. Peace. Thirty years. He reigned from 306 to 337. Oh, wow. 31 years. Nice. This is our longest since Augustus. It is, yeah. Yes. Gosh. It's a very impressive length of time, mm. which gives him a score of 3.88, which is very impressive. That's pretty good. Yeah. But that leads us to his final score. Now, he's a big one. Mm. I can definitely see he's going to be up there with the highest. But what's he got? Let's just remind you of our scores so far. Yeah. Aurelian is our leader at the moment with 52.13. Yes. And our second place is Diocletian with 48.75. Yes. Go on, what did he get? 51.88. <gasps> We've got a second place. We do have a second place. Oh. Oh, he very nearly managed to beat Aurelian. 
Oh, if he had one more point. Yeah, if he had one more point. Oh, so if I'd decided to go for that 10, He'd been oh, he would have been number one. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. I think that's uh, well earned. It's a well earned second place. But that's the impact. Definitely. Augustus now down to fourth. Wow. Oh dear. Down to fourth. Who'd have thought it, eh? After months of him being untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, well, there we go. But just because he's our second place position. And he's he shaped the world. And he shaped the entire world around him. The world that we currently live in and now know and change the Roman Empire for the next thousand years. Perhaps mean... he's another Quintilus, though. Yeah, that's always a possibility. Let's find out. Do they have a certain genesis? It is always disappointing when the answer is so obvious. There's no <laughs> point to discuss it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so obviously a yes. I, I'll mm. say this, though. I don't think I like him. No. Aurelian, I really rooted for. Diocletian had good points and bad points. Augustus, I really respected. Constantine just seems ruthless and slightly mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. He's not as nice as I was expecting or hoping. No, and yeah, and nothing happened as amazing as I thought, but he certainly racked up the points well enough. So oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't that impressed. But is this just because I've had Lactentius and Eusebius forced down my throat for the last <laughs> two months? And it's really hard to like someone when you've got people who are quite openly being racist telling you how great someone is. That's true, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it's not Constantine's fault. I'll say this though, he certainly deserves Jeanne Caesar. Oh yeah. My thing doesn't work very well. <laughs> Mine just goes. All right. Never mind. Eh? Right. <laughs> okay. Part that counts. Well done, Constantine. And at last, we finished the Tetrarchic War period. Mm. We're now on to something new. We're going to see what happens with all his sons. So this is now the Constantine dynasty, I guess. Yes, it is. Okay, long episode, so we'll read some reviews next time, I yeah. think. But next week is our second episode, Roman Republic Totalis Rankium. Oh, yeah. And we asked you, the listeners, to decide what we'd do. Mm. But it was very split. So I've just selected three that were suggested, and you now, on air, get to choose what we do. Okay. So he- here are your choices. Next week, for the Senate episode... We can do Scipio. Scipio. Scipio the kangaroo. Yeah. Fighting against Hannibal. Ooh. The Punic Wars. Ooh. Find out more about those sharp pointy things. Yes. So yeah. we've got a kangaroo versus Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. Brilliant. Or Sulla, the dictator who tried to have Caesar killed at the start of last episode. Yeah. Widely regarded as one of the most ruthless and evil men in all of Roman history. Ooh, interesting. Or Pompey, sticking in the Caesar area. Pompey the Great, why was he called the Great? And what happened from his perspective in the civil war against Caesar? Ooh, Sulla's got my attention. Sulla, okay then. In that case, we will do Sulla next week. I think you loaded that though, because you know I'm attracted to crazy people. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry, we will do Scipio and we will do Pompey. Um, There are some suggestions, however, and I quite like this. Uh, quite a lot of people mentioned non-Romans from the period, such as Mithridates and okay. Herod the Great and these and uh, Hannibal himself. So okay. all these really big names, and they weren't Roman. Now, you know what, no. I hadn't even thought of doing the enemies of Rome, but 
fits. Why not? Yeah. Why really not? Sharp order, uh, only as a tiny little bonus. Yeah, but, you know. yeah. So we'll open up suggestions from now on to just anyone in that time period with a link to Rome. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not do the Chinese emperors that were around at the time. <laughs> Last thing we need to say then is thank you very much to our new senators. Yes. Yes. Thank you to Kay Verdi for a very generous donation. Thank you very mm. much. Thank you very much to Art Arts versus Legex Free. It's an interesting name. It doesn't help that I've taken a screenshot and it's pixelated, so it's really hard to Art read. Versus Legex Free. You know who you are. Yeah. And thank you yeah. very much because your donation was equally a very generous donation. Thank you very much. And thank you, my favourite name so far, guest with the email address. I probably shouldn't read out their email address. <laughs> no, read the real address. <laughs> but it's something along the names, lines of guest. Yeah. Uh, which I just like, keeping it anonymous. Yeah. So thank you, guest, for your also very generous donations. Mm. Very generous donations this week. Um, okay, and I think that's it. So that's two it. weeks' time, Constantine II, the first of the Constantinian children. Ooh. And next week, the Roman Republic, Totalis Rankium. Sola. And if you'd like to get access to the episode, um, please offer a donation to us. It can be as little as $1 per month, but you'll get more of a warm feeling if you, if you donate more. Definitely. Um, but anything you donate is used, is we're putting straight back into the podcast um, to update our software and the hardware that we're using, as well as buying Rob books. Yes. Roman books as Useful well. Useful books. Yes. Um, and if you do become a senator, you want to give us your address. It's probably easier if you do it through Facebook or Twitter, only because we're not great at looking through <laughs> We're really not, are we? No. Okay, so that's it for this week. Yes. Final sign-off for this week. Father, why are you looking at me that way? i kill you. Goodbye. Goodbye. Here we are. Did we ever name this? Was it When in Rome? Yeah, When in Rome. That was it, yeah. Here when we are. in Rome! <laughs> Thank you, Sam. Yeah. Um, so yeah. We've got a few food dishes. Can you tell we're on holiday again? Yeah. That your wife's got time to do this for us yeah, again. Yeah, we've got, we've got more food. It's been Ooh. a while. Um, go on, then. What we got? So we've got, first in, in my hand, we've got um, conditum. Paradoximi or spiced wine. Yes, spiced wine. It looks bitty. Yeah, so it's wine made with bay leaves, uh, wine, honey, fennel. Actually, it smells nice. Pepper, raisins, and saffron. So I know Becky bought some saffron. Actual saffron. Yeah, it's got real saffron in it. Not no, real, genuine just saffron. Just yellow dye. No, oh. real. With banana food flavouring. Yeah. So it's sort of. It's, oh, it smells spice, isn't it? It smells nice. It does. Because apparently they used to flavour the wines to get rid of the horror if wine's been left a bit, you know. Bit vinegary. Yeah. Okay. Let's flavour it. I'm going to try this. And I kept saying, can we do wine next time? And we finally have there some wine. Go. I'm really happy. Right, here we go, here we go. Go for it. Wow. Oh, that's sweet. But really nice. That is, it's bitty, it's sweet, but oh, it's nice. That's like syrup, isn't it? Mm. That's lovely. That'd be good, like garnish or something. Yeah, oh, that's really that's nice. That's really lovely. Mm. Right, I'm going to say it straight away. That gets Genesis, Caesar. <laughs> yeah, what's it? What did you say, wasn't it? Fennel and pepper and Bay raisins. Leaves. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Raisins. That would be the bits, then. 
Yeah. With fennel. Okay, right. Well, if you're listening, go and find some genuine Roman wine. That, that's nice. That's right, what, what's the food? I notice you're putting off the fish dish. I love how it's always fish. She hates you. This is she her way of saying me. she wants a divorce. <laughs> so this is... Oh, this is interesting. It's Roman cheesecake. Honey, Ooh. ricotta, baileys and flour. Known as a Constantine cake. So it might Do you think he made around. it himself? I hope so. I like to think so. Yeah. Whilst he was ordering the execution of his wife with his left hand. <laughs> Multitasking. Yeah, yeah, it looks really nice. It's got some mm. oil on it. Yeah, some kind of oil drizzled over it, I think. We'll put a picture up on Facebook. And, um, yeah, and then next to it, in a, in a bolty dish, which I believe is traditional Roman yep. serving dish. Yeah. Words aren't working. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we've got... Patina and piscil... Souffle of the small fish. That's the one. Yes. Which is fish. Oh, garum. Fish. <laughs> Raisins, wine, celery, pepper, onion, oregano, or oregano, and oil. Okay, right. So if you have the fish, I'll have the cheese bread. I'll try a bit of each. Okay, do you want to do the fish first, and then you can save yourself with the bread? Okay. Okay. So it just looks like fish with lots of raisins on it, with drizzled in like an oil which is probably what it is it's basically fish and fish sauce two things i really hate <laughs> here we go you ready no <laughs> i can't get it on the no so there's a lot more raisin than fish there all right you good no well we're doing it here we go oh no oh hmm. oh that tastes like fishy raisins that's quite nice yeah. Oh, you look in so much pain. That's horrible. That's <laughs> oh, making me feel sick. Oh, no. Oh, oh, oh. No. No, no, no. Bad Romans. <laughs> I, I'm quite liking it. I'm oh, no, I can still taste it. Oh. <laughs> Who taste buds do that? <laughs> it won't go away. It's, um... No, oh, I'm enjoying this. This gets Jenny Caesar as well. From you no, as well? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I'm vetoing that. <laughs> Okay. All right. Now what I'm looking forward to cheesecake, or cheese bread, cheese bread, libum, <laughs> and it's got a nice um, bay leaf sticking outside, so it looks yeah. quite well easy. presented, covered in oil. Mm. There we go. So, oh, smells. Smells of. Oh, can smell. Smell the bay leaves. Yeah. And the honey. Oh, it's honey, not oil. It's oh, it's honey. Yeah. Nice. Tastes like very stodgy bread mm. with honey on it. You call my wife bread stodgy. <laughs> No. That's <laughs> <laughs> nice though, isn't it? it mm. This feels like a dessert. Mm. Mm. Bread is in bread and butter pudding kind of bread. <laughs> yeah. Mm. I know what you mean. I think it's... Yeah. Yeah, it's really nice. Mm. Right. Well done. I'm going to give your wife Shanae's that. <laughs> that sounds far ruder than it should have done. <laughs> I'm going to give your wife. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Cut it there. Yeah. Oh, that was a nice little treat at the end mm. of that episode, that was. Right. Okay, well, that's it for When in Rome this week. Mm. If any listeners have suggestions of things we should try, any recipes they know that are, are Roman. Mm. Or anything else that my Romans used to do. Yeah. We did talk about hitting one of us with um, hitting singing nettles. with nettles, yeah. I believe. Was if it warms your legs or not. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay, right. Until next time, then. Goodbye. <laughs>
selling chairs and kicking ass, and they're all out of chairs. <laughs> You're an idiot. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do that again.